Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Oh, I'm super excited for this episode. How are you? I'm doing really good. So why are you so excited? I am so excited because I went out on a limb and made a big ask to get a guest on the show and then was floored when the guest said yes. And that guest would be the amazing Katie Cortman. Yay! I know! I'm so excited. So today's guest is the best thing that's happened to color since the rainbow. (laughs) Most folks know that Katie Cortman designs clothing and fabric, but some may not know she began as a painter. Did you know that? I did not. I was aware she did paint. I did not know that that was the beginning of her career. Yeah. She earned her bachelor's degree in drawing and painting and her master's in education from BYU. And she became, before she became a fashion designer, she worked as a painter and an art teacher. Yeah. And last year she managed to see the realization of a dream and was uh, invited to audition for um, Bravo's Project Runway and got on. Yes. We are so lucky to get to talk to her. And we know that our listeners will love to hear what she has to say. Oh, Definitely. It's going to be a good episode. Enjoy, Katie. I think almost everyone that follows the sewing community on Instagram will recognize who you are and especially know you for your color and everything. But there's probably a lot of things they don't know about you. And one of the things I was curious about is since you're living in Japan, um, where did you actually grow up? Um, Okay, so I grew up in South Florida. Sunny South Florida, which is why I love color. And even in the winter, especially in the winter when it's gray and dreary and cold, I'm like, I need color because it's so ugly outside. (laughs) But yeah, I grew up in South Florida and I was, I mean, born in St. Louis. That's where my, most of my relatives are from. It's the Midwest, but my family is, yeah, we've lived in Florida since I was like three. Like whereabouts in South Florida? Uh, West Palm Beach. Oh, Okay. My husband's uh, North Miami, and oh, so we're okay. opposite coast, but but similar. I had grandparents in the Keys. I guess in Florida, you can probably buy very colorful clothes, even ready to wear, right? So have you always dressed so colorfully? So yeah, you know, when you live in a tropical climate, you wear summer clothes all year round, which tend to be more colorful. And I, I went to an art school. So I went to an art school from seventh to 12th grade, like half my day was art, half my day was academics. And so I've been like free to express myself, even during a time when I think most people are a little more like, you know, cautious about what they're doing. Um, Cause it's, they're not sure of themselves, but I went to an art school. So it was like the weirder, the better. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, in fact, I wasn't weird enough because I actually really liked shopping and clothing. And that was like, not cool to like that kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, so I would always dress very colorfully, but I do remember at one point in high school, I got really into um, Abercrombie and Fitch, which is embarrassing, but it was like the early Abercrombie and Fitch, which was super preppy and less like sexy preppy. And, and but it was very, very like preppy. So it was very neutral. And my mom was like, what are you wearing? Like you wear color. Why are you wearing all the, why, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like trying this other thing out, you know, but it made me start thinking about like, Oh, like I do, I'm a color person. Like, I don't think I had noticed that I wasn't like doing it on purpose. I just, that's who I was, I guess. And then I became more aware of it. And so then my senior year of high school, I remember being like very purposeful about it. Like, Oh, I wear color. I'm going to do different color experiments with my clothing. Um, And I would just be like, Oh, today I'm going to dress up as bodies of water. And I'd like look through my clothing and find all different blues. And, you know, and then one day I remember being like today, and I would like announce it to my friends today, I'm steamed green vegetables. (laughs) It was just an excuse to wear monochromatic, but like have a reason for it, I guess. Like I'm in different shades of green, but 
anyway, so I, I think that, and then when I went to college, I went out to a very conservative school, B white Brigham Young university. And, um, everybody was wearing like a t-shirt and jeans, you know, and a belt. <laughs> and I was like, at first I was like, Oh, this is a different style. I'm gonna try. I always love to like, just try what's around me. Like overalls, like a lot of girls were wearing overalls. I'm like, overalls, that's a thing. People, adults wear overalls. I mean, this is in like 99. So I mean, now, yes. But at that point I was like, I think maybe the people in the West dress, dress differently than people on the East coast. So I tried out all these things. And then again, I was like, okay, no, this isn't me. And then I was wearing butterfly wings and tutus and looking for whatever bright clothing I could find on sale at the stores. And people would stop me. This is a, this is a university of like 25,000 people. And people would stop me and be like, oh, you're that girl who wears the fluorescent orange jacket. I've seen you around because I was sticking out because I was wearing the bright colored clothing. So anyways, that, if that answers your question, but it was hard yeah, to find. Sure. It was much harder to find. And that is why I started sewing. Cause I was sick of having to wear all the neutrals when I really wanted to wear bright clothing. It's a good gateway to sewing when you can't find the things that you want to wear. It's how I came to it too. It was just, for me, it was body size more yeah. so than color or anything else. It was just everybody shopping at the limited and gap and they don't go up to my size. So... <laughs> But you're, you're upset because they don't go up to your size. And I'm upset because all they have is black, gray, navy, and red. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, go over to the kids gap. And I'm like, oh, they have all the fun. They have the fun colors. You know, I'm shopping for my kids. And I'm like, how come they get to have the fun prints and colors? And I go over to my side of the gap or whatever. And it's boring. <laughs> like, it's not fair. Except for in the spring and summer. Then all of a sudden, everybody is like, oh, here's some color for you. You know, anyway, yeah. but yeah, I, I think that's what brings you to sewing is not being able to find what you want. And also though I have a, I, you know, I'm a small frame. My body type isn't um, a small waist and hips, which is what a lot of women's clothing ready to wear is. I'm more of like a rectangle. And so I always had a hard time finding pants that fit my, my lack of butt and bigger waist. Like it just, the proportions were different. Mm -hmm. And so that was always so frustrating. And I'm like, I never have to be frustrated shopping for pants ever again. Cause I can just make them my size. It was, oh my gosh. When I finally learned how to make pants, that was a revelation. <laughs> so did you learn in a classroom setting or did you teach yourself or a mixture of both my sophomore year of college? I asked my parents for a sewing machine. So I got like a very basic Walmart $88 sewing machine and I had that for years and I just experimented. And I think I, I was an art major. So, you know, being a visual artist, I understand shapes and construct, you know, like three-dimensional things. And so I was able to just like figure stuff out for a long time. And I mostly sewed, sewed knits because they were stretchy and you didn't have to figure out a lot of things to just, except for, you know, that there's stretch sometimes only goes in one direction. That was a lesson I learned the hard way. I'm like, wait a second, this normally fits. Oh no, I put the stretch in the wrong direction. But um, anyway, so I experimented for a while. And then my last or second to last year at BYU, I took a beginning sewing class, which they had. And, but it was a summer class and I was distracted because of boys. And so I got a little <laughs> bit out of it and a little bit of not, you know, I was like, I would just ask my teacher a lot of questions instead of figuring out myself. So I learned some things. I probably didn't retain as much as I should have, but I did have that one formal class. And then after that, it was just more experimentation. Having kids, I was able to experiment with smaller amounts of fabric and mm -hmm. no boobs and butts, you know, just kind of like, it's so much easier for kids because you, know, you just make this little sack and it looks cute on them. So um, and I would recycle my old clothing. And so I got really comfortable with the sewing machine, probably during those early years of my first few kids where I was just like making stuff for them. And then it was when I discovered indie sewing patterns that I really learned how to sew it, My friend, Alina, she has Alina design company. I think she doesn't make patterns anymore, but they're still out there. Um, she asked me to like test her first pattern, which was a pair of pants. And that was my first time ever painting a pair of pants. And I was like, if I can learn how to make my own pants and shorts, this will like change my life because that, like I said, was always the hardest. And I wear longer shorts. Um, and that was always hard to find like a, a longer short that also wasn't just khaki or black. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can have colorful shorts and oh my gosh. And, and it really did. And that, and using indie patterns where they really step by step 
show you, explain to you. And if you don't get it, you go to their blog. They have more explanation and tutorials and videos. And that is really, truly where I really learned how to sew. Tell us about starting um, with Instagram and uh, how you kind of got a following on Instagram. So in 2018, I made a list of goals, 18 things for 2018 that I wanted to do. Uh, from Gretchen Rubin, she had t- has this thing, and it's like supposed to be fun stuff, not just like yucky goals that you think you should do. Um, so I had put on there with my friend Jill and I were like, okay, let's make a goal because we'd seen other people in the sewing community on Instagram, which I had just kind of recently discovered the sewing Instagram community in like end of 2017, early 2018. Anyways, but we had heard of people that just sewed their clothes and like didn't buy clothes and stuff. And I was like, we were like, if we do that, if we like commit to not buy clothes this year, <laughs> we'll probably learn how to do everything really well. So um, in 2018, I made a goal not to buy clothes. So I didn't buy clothes. But in the meantime, since I'm making all of these clothes now, so I was making all these clothes. And so then I figured I didn't want to put them on my private Instagram. Cause I thought that might annoy people to constantly be like, look at, I made, and I made this and I made this and I made this. <laughs> it can get really braggy, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, this might be like annoying to everybody. So I'll just make a separate Instagram. Well, I already had made an art Instagram because I when I lived in Bahrain, this one girl like wanted to buy all my art. She was like, can you make a website? And I was too lazy to make a website. So I just made an Instagram and I put all my artwork on there. So I was like, you know, rather than making another Instagram, I will just start putting my clothing on my art Instagram. <laughs> and instead of, I should have just at that point changed it to Katie Cortman, but I just left it Katie Cortman art. So anyway, um, yeah, so I started <laughs> posting on there a little bit, little in 2018. And then I went to Ireland, um, this is like a really off topic thing, but it, I went to Ireland. It my, was like one of my dad's like bucket list items. And it's, I'm so glad we went in we October of 2018 and he died March, 2019. We didn't know he was going to die, but he did. So anyway, we went to Ireland with my siblings and my father. And, um, on that trip, I was, I had just started doing some like dancing stuff on my clothes on Instagram. And I thought, oh, I know what could be really cool. Like I can make a movement of people that dance when they show off their handmade clothes. Because mostly what I was seeing was just people posing against a white wall in their clothing and like not looking as happy as they should be in their cool thing they made. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is to be celebrated, right? So um, I was dancing all all over Ireland, making my siblings film these dances they thought were ridiculous. And, but then I like, like my brother, if you look back that far, you hear these weird sounds and my brother is making the music for me <laughs> and it's kind of funny. It's like ridiculous, but anyway, so that was really fun. So I came back from that and I announced this, this challenge I was going to do called the handmade hustle. And I like challenged everyone. And then I got these pattern companies to like, give me a pattern to give away each week. If you posted a dance dancing in your handmade clothes. And it was called the handmade hustle. And I did it for six weeks straight. I would sew something, dance in it, encourage everyone, and then give that pattern away. And I did it all the way for six weeks through December. I was so exhausted at the end of it, but I had gained a small following. And then also in the middle of that, I had also checked off my last thing on my 18 for 2018, which was to design fabric, which I didn't know how to do, but I knew how to paint. So I just painted fabric, painted a dress, won this big contest called So Frosting. It was with True Bias and um, Closet Core Patterns. Anyways, and then like overnight, I got like a thousand new followers. That was huge. Um, and so that is kind of where it all took off from. That I've was seen like- that dress. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes for this. It's, it's a fabulous dress. I was curious though. So I could imagine um, painting a dress and, you know, making it into either, you know, a lot of different ways I could imagine painting it, but I, I, I don't know how you turn, how do you learn then to make that into a fabric? Because in fabric, it's got to have a, the right repetition and everything. Like, how did you learn to do that? Cause I mean, from your biography and your website, anyways, it sounds like you immediately then were designing for Spoonflower. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spoonflower reached out to me and I was like, I can't waste this opportunity. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to learn. When I was in my undergrad, I was a painting major and my professors would say, your paintings, which were very abstract, 
would look great on fabric. And they knew I liked fashion. And so I think that's what they were thinking, you know, too. Like, and, but I never learned how I didn't, I was going to go get a master's in uh, textile design, but it didn't work out. And my life went different directions. And so it had always been something kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and so when Spoonflower reached out to me and said, oh, how would you like to make this hand-painted dress into a repeat pattern? And, you know, we'll do a feature on it or whatever. I was like, I can't waste this opportunity. So I, it was like right before Christmas and I spent my kids Christmas break and with my in-laws in town and everybody around, like helping take care of my kids. I got online and watched tutorial after tutorial, downloaded, paid for Adobe, got the whole program and taught myself how to make a repeat pattern. Wow. So do you think that that's something that is uh, approachable for other people? Or do you think that, you know, maybe they should actually take a class or something? (laughs) I mean, there's, I mean, I did Skillshare mostly and there's, you just have to want to do it because it is time consuming at first um, to learn how to do it. You have to really want to do it. And I think that was for years I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to invest the time. Yeah. So it took, took something big and mean, and me having been home, I used to be an art teacher, but like having been home with my kids for so many years and just having this desire to like be doing something again outside of my home. And like, I just was craving that other thing, you know? And so I think that was enough drive, like, oh, this is an opportunity. I don't want to waste this opportunity. This might be something I want to get into. So, um, yeah, otherwise it is kind of annoying. (laughs) Yeah. And there are, there are other tools you can use. I know that I've done some stuff with Procreate yes. and iPad, um, which a lot of people do use, but you're absolutely right. I want to do it, but only enough to do the really basic things I've learned how to do, not enough to actually put in the, the significant amount of time and practice to do more complex things than the very limited things I know how to do for fabric design. I mean, I love Procreate. I wish that I could sit on the couch on my iPad making prints that way (laughs) because it is, I don't know. There's something about like not sitting at a computer. I hate just sitting at a computer, but, um, but yeah, Procreate is limited and it is kind of, sometimes it's annoying because I've tried to do a few on purely Procreate and there'll be like a tiny line or like a little something, this or that, that like, I don't notice because it's not I, I just, it's hard. It's to me, there's like a little bit of stuff that's kind of a little more annoying, yeah. but it's something, it's a tool you can use if you're just doing it for yourself and you're not like trying to sell it to yep. other people. Cause I learned the hard way that, yeah, it's not as quite as good as using the real programs, but it's good enough. It can get you there for like probably your own uses and stuff. Yeah. Right. So I, okay. So I know of three places, three types of fabrics that, that has fabric designed by you. There's the spoon flower. Narita Hansen has a line of fabric um, designed by you. And then um, Jenny and I talk all the time about your fabric on fabric.com. We particularly love the double gauze because (laughs) it's like the Japanese style double gauze and not like the really roughly kind of hard to sew, like it's the easy cut to sew with kind of double gauze, you know? Yes. I love, I was so, I was so pleasantly surprised when fabric.com sent me the, um, double gauze that they were going to be selling with my prints. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the best double gauze. Yes, Mm -hmm. it really is. It really is. It sews up nicely. It washes nice. I really, really love that. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what base do you prefer at Spoonflower? My very, well, okay. I have a few, my, my go-to like most bought is the organic cotton sateen. Um, it has like a really good weight. It is, it has like a slight sheen. So I feel like I can use it for something that I'm going to wear. It's a little bit fancier or something that's just like casual for summer. I can kind of go both ways with it. Um, it is the best weight of cotton sateen that I have ever found across all the people that saw my fabric. It is my favorite. It is a little bit heavier, but I love that it has such good structure. Um, it's the same fabric that they make their like, uh, duvet covers out of. So it's like just a really good fabric. Um, A little thicker than Narita Hansen's sateen. Yes. And, and the one I saw on Amazon fabric.com it's not on fabric.com. It's on Amazon, but it's the same prints. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. They have the, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's way, it's heavier than both of those. Um, but it is more expensive. So I, 
Yeah. Um, but it is wider than their uh like quilting, like their their base cotton yeah. that they have. It is wider than that. It's like the 60 wide or 58 wide, or mm-hmm. it's like the wider home kind of deck width. Yep. Um, and the other ones I really love are the linen cotton canvas. I use that for pants and jackets and things like that. And then I love the denim. Mm. I, I like have tons of pants. I'm like, I need more fun pants. I go out to Spoonflower. I buy one of my prints and I make oh, some. Oh, so you have print, you use, you print the denim. I didn't even know they had denim as yes. a choice on there. I love it. I love having fun pants. I have a hard time wearing. I mean, I do wear jeans sometimes. I wish there was denim with stretch on Spoonflower. Then my life would be complete because then I could have also <laughs> like really comfy jeans. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So I, I haven't in a few years watched Project Runway because I don't have, um, I don't have cable, like regular cable, but I love that show. And I, when I heard you were going to be on it, I almost like got cable, but I'm like, oh, you, <laughs> could just, you could have just done what we did, which was buy it off of Apple. We like bought the season for 20 bucks off of Apple. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm, I'll do it now. Um, but I have got to know what it was like to be on project one. I've always thought about this, like what that must be like. I mean, so you get these wild, weird challenges, right? Like sometimes with trash and things like that, you know, to like make things out of, which I actually think would be kind of fun, but like, it doesn't seem like it would seems like the, the time would be so hard and like, I don't know. Do you have enough time to sleep there? Do you have good food, all that? No. <laughs> um, I'll say as much as I can say. Um, <laughs> but I always wondered too, you know, for, <laughs> it, I've watched it since it came out. Like mm-hmm. I worked for anthropology as a, an artist that decorates the store. And it, when it first came out and one of like the apparel manager, he would, videotape it he would dvr it videotape it record it onto a vhs and then we would pass it around and watch the episode <laughs> and then i'll talk about it and then you know every week um and that was the jay mccarroll jay mccarroll won that season and i was like oh my gosh his stuff is so cool i love the textured stuff that he did with crochet that he added in <laughs> or knitting or whatever um anyway I've always been a fan. I used to watch it with my mom. My mom would always say, you should go on Project Runway. And I'd be like, mom, I don't even know how to use a pattern. I don't know how to make a pattern. I, I, <laughs> I think anybody who sews has somebody in their life who has said, you should go on Project yeah, Runway. Right, right. Like, <laughs> I don't think you understand that just because I can sew doesn't mean I can do what they're doing on that show. Um, so yeah, when they, they also approached me, they found me on, on Instagram and they called me up somehow. I don't know how they got my phone number, like the casting people. And they asked me to audition and I thought it was a prank call. And yeah. it was a prank call. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, just like with the spoon flower thing, I was like, there's no way I'm going to let this opportunity pass me by. I have no idea how to design a pattern. <laughs> I am not a fashion designer, but no way am I, I'm like, even if I get kicked off the first episode, this will be like a life dream come true. Like yeah, right. to mm-hmm. actually go on Project Runway. Yeah. What? So I did. I auditioned and I didn't think it would go far, but it did, obviously. And I even moved across the world <laughs> after they put it on hold during the pandemic. And they still wanted me and they still wanted me. And then voila, I was on the show. And I just remember being like, how is this my real life? This is not real life. This is not real. This is not real. I can't believe this is real. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I had a whole week in quarantine before the show started. They quarantined us in a hotel room where we had like, you know, room service. And Mm -hmm. I had no kids with me. And I was just like dancing (laughs) in my hotel room. And I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) We got out and all the other contestants who like are like mostly single and don't have kids were like oh my gosh that week of quarantine was so horrible and I was like oh my gosh I loved it I loved every minute of it (laughs) um but anyway and then it started you know and we were thrown into Lincoln Center and um with with Nina and Brandon Maxwell and Elaine and wait Alina 
I mean, Elaine, Nina, Brandon, and Christian was there. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> they were all standing there and I, and there's people around like watching, like what's going on, what's going on. I'm like, I'm be, I'm going to be on TV. This is me being recorded on TV. What? It just felt like this momentous thing was about to change my whole world. Um, anyway, so that was the beginning and it was amazing. Right. And then, um, you know, reality, it starts and it's a lot longer. Everything takes longer than you think it would take. <laughs> like, oh, we're just going to film this one thing. Okay. That takes hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and then you're like, sitting and waiting is then film people have to take breaks or they have to move the film equipment to a new location and then you have to sit in the vans while you're waiting to go to the next place so there's all of this waiting around that you don't anticipate <laughs> except for you're you're not I couldn't have my yarn I couldn't have my knitting I didn't have a sketchbook I couldn't be sketching I couldn't be so I could be embroidering I couldn't be doing anything I just had to sit there and oh, I was wow. like oh my gosh I'm gonna go insane you don't have your phones you don't have you don't have anything so and at some points you also can't talk to each other because you're not on camera. So to not be talking, not be drawing, not be sewing, not be knitting, not be looking on my phone. It was like jail. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And we all felt like we're going to go insane. And I, it was a little bit, it was, it was a really good break from social media and break from your phone. Like it, mm -hmm. it was, it was like, you know, uh, probably going off of anything you're, you're addicted to not going off anything. I mean, obviously your body isn't having withdrawal symptoms, but it was, it was, it took a few weeks, but we all did eventually get used to it. Yeah. I mean, when I finally was off the show, I remember coming home and I actually went to visit my family first in the United States and like forgetting about my phone, forgetting to check it. I would just sit there, not be doing anything and totally okay with that. And if you know me, I am not okay with that. I must always be doing something with my hands. Always, 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 always. So it was like a really good breather, I think, for my brain, only in that respect. Everything else was like stressful. Um, so yeah, we didn't get a lot of sleep. The days are long, even though the sewing time is a lot shorter than you want it to be. You're like, I don't mind if I have to sew for 12 hours straight, but really you're only sewing for like seven hours and the rest of your day is like waiting around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but still having to get up super early to be filmed and you know, so it's, it's a lack of sleep and <laughs> a weird, weird kind of waiting around a lot. I don't know, but it was fun. Like the challenges were fun. Hey, also stressful. Also very stressful. Going to mood is it looks stressful. It's like 10 times more stressful than it looks because you have all these people and only a few people cutting and it's three floors. And if you've never been to mood, which I had never been to mood, I'm like trying to find, I don't know where the stuff is that I like, you know, and, and I always designed my own prints. So then trying to find stuff that like felt like it was me, but it wasn't me because it wasn't my own prints. And that's all I've been doing for the past few years is my own prints. And, you know, I'm like, I've got to show them who I am, but then how do I do that? And I want to paint stuff, but am I going to have enough time to paint and sew fabric in like 12 hours and design and fit? And, you know, so yeah, it was, it was stressful, but, um, the best part was when we would be sewing together in the sewing room. That was the best part of the show being with other creative people all. And if you've ever been to like a retreat with other people doing a crafting or sewing, whatever, I'm sure it's similar where you're like, we all love this thing and we are all doing this together. And it was, that was so fun. I loved that part. And I'm always like, do we have to have the judging? I mean, even the runway was fun, except for that. Now you're scared you're going to get voted off. So <laughs> it was a little bit like scary fun. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So it, it yeah. and then the other thing is amazing. Like <laughs> it, that, you know, that part was amazing. The people were amazing. I thought that they were just going to be my competition. And then I went there and I wasn't there to make friends and I was just there to, to win and all that kind of stuff. But then we were all kind of surprised. We're like, Oh, like you spend so much time with these people when you're not even being filmed or competing. You're just, like I said, sitting around. So like you become friends and, mm -hmm. and I was genuinely happy for people and sad for people. And then that person was me you know, in the sixth episode that I had to go home and everyone's like crying and hugging. And my roommate, uh, Zayden is like bawling his eyes out. And, 
you know, it was just like, I made real friends and we still keep in touch. And, and it was so fun to see them at the finale again. So anyways, that part was great. And, and because of this show, I decided I wanted to be a fashion designer, which is something again, had been a dream back in my undergrad. But then Mm -hmm. real life took me in different directions. And I was like, there's no way I even know how to do that. I'll never do that because I don't actually know how. And it was, it was totally off my radar of something I would actually do. And now I am purely because I went on that show and discovered I really do love it. And I met all these fashion designers and I got to know how they do it and how they do it in real life, you know? So it was life-changing, even if it was stressful and traumatic all at the same time. (laughs) Is it anything like sewing at home? Well, sewing at home, you have patterns Mm -hmm. Um, or if you're making your own patterns, I had to learn how to do fashion design. I mean, I, I I taught myself really quickly before the inner, before my big interview. Um, but like, you can have a book that will tell you the, you know, calculations you need to do and the formulas. You have none of that. You have nothing. You You only have your mind, your mind and your tools and dress forms. And thankfully they have lots of different sizes of dress forms. And then they have padding to pad out to all different like, you know, different right. measurements because people aren't the same size as dress forms, even models. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot different. And in my studio, I have a bunch of fabrics and then I just choose from my fabrics and I sit and I think, and I look at all my zippers and I look at all my buttons and I put things together <laughs> and I think some more and I think some more. But when I said, you go to mood and you have 30 to 45 minutes, you only get what you get. And yeah, the only thing they have back at the studio is muslin and white thread or black thread. So if you need a different color thread or a zipper or a button or a snap or whatever, you better have bought it. Or yeah. I mean, luckily, since we were all friends, there's one time where I only had enough money to get one zipper. And so, and I think it broke or something. So then somebody gave me one of their extra zippers or I didn't have a snap and somebody gave me a snap. But like, you have to buy everything every time. You can't be like, well, I bought snaps last time. I'll use them on my next project. No, they take it all away and you start all over again. Every challenge. So you don't have like a bunch of things to choose from. And and you also don't have time to just sit around and think, should I do this or should I do that? Hmm. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Did they have um, like nice facilities as far as the machines and the um, like irons and scissors and all that kind of stuff? Or you bring your own stuff? It was you bring your own tools and they give you like a list of what you can bring. Um, so you bring your own tools, but then they provide the sewing machines and the irons and all that. Um, it, this, this, uh, say semester, <laughs> this season, it was sponsored by singer. So we had industrial singer machines and, um, like I some heavy duty singer machines. And then we had some heavy, nice irons and steamers and stuff. And I, I think it was probably all singer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. But it was good. It It was my first time using an industrial machine though. So that was a learning curve and threading an industrial machine is not as quick and easy as threading a regular machine. So if somebody moves over to your machine and rethreads it, you're like, "Ah." so I found myself a lot of the times just going over to the heavy duty, like home machines because no one else was caring to use them. And I was like, I don't want to keep rethreading that machine. So I'm just going to go over here and just use the home sewing machine. Yeah. Competition for favorite machines, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think eventually there's more machines than people, but when I was there, there was still less machines than people. You know, I think a lot of people go on Project Runway and then, you know, you, you maybe don't hear from them ever again, but you're doing lots of things like since you've, already since you've left project one way. And, uh, one of the things is that hand-painted color collection of a clothing line, right? Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah. So I, if you cannot tell from the rest of this interview, <laughs> I don't want to waste opportunities. So again, I was like, this is an opportunity. This will be my biggest opportunity for marketing and like get having my name out there that I will probably ever have in my life. And so if I want to do this, I've got to do it now. And I have to do it while the show is airing. And I knew I was only on six episodes. So I needed to like Mm -hmm. make sure that it was out there by, you know, by the sixth episode. And so the moment I got home in July, I just hit the ground running and I made some mistakes because I tried to do it the most easy way, which was like the first company I found 
which they do very high quality, good stuff. So my collection is very nice, but it costs me way more money than like I could actually make a profit off of. So I, it was a learning curve. I, so I'm like, you know, I told my husband, cause luckily I had money saved from my like fabric design stuff. I had like put it in a special thing. Like one day I might want to do something with this, but I'm like, just, let's just pretend like I went to fashion design school. And this money that I just invested in this company was like my fashion design degree. Like I just learned a whole lot of stuff real quickly about manufacturing and yeah. the costs and what to do and not to do. Um, but so, you know, I have some regrets about what I, how I went about doing it because I did spend way too much money, but at least when the show aired, I did have, a, I did have stuff to show people, you know? So I'm like, it was good at that. It was good. It's good. I'm so glad I did it because I do want to continue doing it. I love doing it. And for years, people have asked me to make them clothing. And I'm like, I have such small amount of time in my life that I don't want to spend it sewing for other people. That's what I thought until right. I went on project runway. I thought I don't like sewing for other people, but then I went on the show and I discovered I do like sewing for other people. It was really fun to see other people wear my clothing and maybe my clothes, my closet was so full of my own clothing that I didn't actually need to make myself really that much more. So, um, then you, just you know, need now to go on project runway. Yeah, that's it. That's all. <laughs> and, then you, and then you want to make stuff for other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, but I will say um, one of one of my favorite joys in the last couple of weeks was receiving a dress from your clothing line, your your big dress that you made for me to my to my measurements and to the length I wanted. Uh, my mom is prepared to order one now because she saw mine and was like, Oh my God, I've got to have one. And I said, I'm not making you a damn dress. mom." <laughs> oh my gosh. My, so my mom, she does my shipping. Cause I have to run my company out of America, not Japan. Right. And so, cause I, I can't use the U S post office. Um, maybe I use it just for those custom orders, but yes, I, <laughs> I can't use it for like my actual, like big company. So my mom does my shipping and she's like, so you know, as part of my payment, because I do pay her, she said, can I also, can you also make me stuff every quarter? I'm like, oh, <laughs> did you just have the stuff that I'm already selling? Like, even now that I'm doing all this, I still am like, my mom wants me to make her stuff. <laughs> it's well, still, and my it's, mom's never it. fully happy when I make her a thing. So I'm like super hesitant because, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't bring me as much joy as it could. Um, so I tend not uh -huh. to do it. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, both related to Project Runway and your fashion line, is, is a thing that I think has been thrown at you as an as an insult um, that you clown fashion, things around that. And I gotta say, for me, yeah. when I think of what you wear, I think of it in the most positive way as I, I, I get the clown comment. It's a lot of color. People in a people don't think of fashion as being as colorful. And I always think that's the highest compliment. People are getting it. That's that's a joyful image, but I think it's not necessarily expressed to you in a way that seems complimentary. Um, yeah. How, <laughs> I mean, how how do you find reactions? What do you how do you take I don't know, criticism with a grain of whatever, a grain of something very colorful, I'm certain. Um, but, but colorful salt. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't see that coming. Like, <laughs> I knew that my stuff was really colorful and more colorful than most adults are wearing these days. Um, but until I was on the show, I didn't know. I didn't know that when people saw the show that that is what they were going to say. I thought people were going to be like, oh my gosh, her stuff is so cool. Why was she in the bottom? Which obviously people did say that to me, but like oh, yeah. the, the, um, the, there were people on mostly the people that like to comment on the Bra project runway Instagram and people that comment on, I guess, Twitter or Reddit or whatever, these things that I'm not even on really. Those are the people that were all calling me clown. When is this clown going to be off? Clown, 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 clown. And they were saying it as an insult. Um, and so when I first read that, I was like taken aback a little bit, but I was like, they're using clown as a derogatory term, but if to them, color, colorful, 
prince. Yeah. What I'm doing, if that, if that is the only thing they, the only reference they have is a clown. They have a very small view of what the world of color yeah. and what fashion can be. I mean, and I have nothing against a clown, you know, but like, I, I knew they were using it to try to like be derogatory towards me. So I was like, that's sad that that's the only thing they can think of is like only clowns wear lots of color and have fun with fashion. Like everything else needs to be serious and sexy and, and sparkly <laughs> and black okay. and whatever. You can definitely have serious, sexy clown vibes, but, oh, <laughs> but yes. that was, that was the thing that, that threw me is the first time I read the comments, I thought, I think they mean it as like in a negative way, but I'm just looking at it and going, it's a cacophony of color that you maybe don't see in a lot of other spaces that's super fun. So my husband on my clothing that he doesn't understand, usually because there are too many elements, uh-huh. <laughs> he just says it's cute, but off-putting, which is his, his version of clown. Um, so because, because he also just doesn't, he doesn't quite get it. Get it. Yeah, like most of his stuff is black, which doesn't make sense to me because that's so boring. <laughs> but anyway, I that's just, my mom I just wonder because it has too. to be, it has to be hard. I mean, that has to be hard to hear, especially when it's um, like what you've tried to help promulgate in the sewing community: this idea of wearing happy colors, being joyful about color in your outfits. I'm yeah, I mean, flabbergasted. It was hard. It, it was hard it was really hard and I had to be very um I had to like rework my brain and my mind and my thoughts because every week you know actually getting voted off was so sad to watch again really hard to relive and then also partly kind of like okay well now I won't have to read a bunch of bad stuff about me anymore so it was like kind of like okay well now that's over even though I was also like really sad again again um but like, I did have to like constantly say, you know what, actually, I, I, and I, at one point, I'm sure you remember, I don't know, I like posted on my thing and I was like, you're going to call me a clown. Great. This is clown chic. Like, fine. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want to call me, like clown. Okay. Like for me, like I, I often find that I am like, what you see is still me kind of taming myself because my true, <laughs> like, if you ever see me anything like extra like more wild that's what I really want to do all the time like I'm I'm like always trying to like oh just restrain a little bit Katie restrain a little bit oh maybe people are gonna think that's like too much of this or too much of that and so I'm like my true inner self it's a little bit crazier than you even would imagine like I just found this girl who um is like a style person on on Instagram her name is Sarah starts with a C it sounds Italian. I don't know. She's from Canada, <laughs> but Sarah Capone, Cas Capone. I don't know. Anyway, but she, she, I, I looked at her feed and I'm like, oh, there it is. She's doing all of the wild thoughts she has with the crazy makeup and the, and all the different stuff she's putting on and layering together. And she, it is total clownish in a way that's like, I don't actually care what one other person in this world thinks about what I'm doing. And this makes me happy. And this is fun. And I loved that about her. I instantly followed her. I was like, yes. Um, so I think, and I think that's what I'm always trying to get people to do is to stop worrying about what other people think. What do you, what what does, what actually brings you joy? If you didn't care what one other person in the world thought, about what you put on, what you created, you know, what you did, what would that be? And I, I'm always trying to do that, but then because I am a type A firstborn child, like kind of person, I'm also like taming it with (laughs) the thoughts of, Oh, Oh, tame it a little bit, Katie. That's a little too, you know, so I'm always fighting like that internal battle, but anyway. So I'm wearing ruffles all the time lately because Mm -hmm. that finally broke through to me, this idea that just because I think ruffles are for children <laughs> doesn't mean I can't wear them if I think ruffles are flipping awesome. And yes. so I've started wearing ruffles a bunch. I just changed to a new job almost five weeks ago. Yes, how's that and, going? Um, it's going amazingly. I'm so happy. But this week, two, two different people at different times stopped by my desk as they were passing it 
and we're meeting someone else. Like there were people I didn't know walking down the aisle. They passed by my desk and one person stopped and said, hey, have you seen Jenny? She's the best dressed person at our company. And it happened twice this week. And I was like, winning. (laughs) And you know why? Because she does, she dresses from her heart. Like you're, (laughs) it's with joy and heart and not worrying about other people. And somebody else came up and was like, I didn't even know Crocs claim came in platforms. They were so excited by my acid green <laughs> platform Crocs. And I'm like, yeah, they do. They come in other colors too. They just released ones with black platforms and white tops. I don't even know how I'm going to wear them, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> it just, it's hilarious to me because the people at my old office, it felt more like they were like, oh, that's Jenny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this feels slightly more embracing. So but I'm really awesome. excited by it. But it's but it's it's neat to kind of stand out, even though I think 20 years ago I'd have been like, don't look at me. Can I be wearing more black and somehow hiding? Mm-hmm. But when I found Instagram, and I know yours is one of the accounts I followed really early on, I found the desire to be more colorful instead of less. I think that's the great thing about Instagram is that you can see, because in our, in our actual world, my world is not very, the people around me are not very colorful either. I live in a military community. It is very conservative, very just like, I mean, mostly moms with deployed spouses who are just getting by, you know, with their kids and wearing whatever is comfortable, you know, and that's fine, you know, whatever. But like, that's, that's the world I'm in mostly. So I definitely stand out. But to go on to Instagram and see that around the world, there are people like me who also are expressing themselves with color and fashion and, and doing all sorts of things that are maybe out there. It, it kind of gives you, so, you know, I feel like when you go onto Instagram and you see all these people around the world mm-hmm. doing, expressing themselves in these ways that you feel like, okay, I can do it too in my world. They're doing it in their worlds. I can do it in my world. It kind of gives you a little more confidence that you're not really the only person, even though it seems like it in the world that you're currently living in. You're also educating as you send packages out because, (laughs) because I don't know any of these words regarding color. Like, and I've been a quilter and this is like, I think they sell tools for understanding this. Uh-huh. And I have so, never understood color theory in any one way. That, one thing that Jenny um, has to be reminded a lot of times is this actually goes out as an audio podcast and not visual. So could you describe what's in your hand? <laughs> what I'm holding in my hand is a postcard size um, piece of paper that came with uh, the dress that I got from Katie Cortman's website. And it is sharing a complementary analogous triad and split complementary colors, as well as monochrome with dots that represent the kinds of colors, I guess, color theory might indicate are reasonable approximations of things that work together. And then on the back of the postcard, it has some examples of people wearing those types of combinations and give suggestions for how to pull it into your wardrobe if maybe you're not a colorful butterfly clown person, (laughs) right? If that's not who you are, if if you're not a walking rainbow, it's got suggestions like try putting something different on the bottom or try a lighter or muted tone with a bright tone or just wear a lipstick or things like that (laughs) for bringing color into your day-to-day wardrobe. And I thought that was amazing enough that I I actually keep it in my little bucket of things I want to be able to reference while I'm at my machine staring out at all the fabrics around my room because I forget that that there's a way colors are supposed to go together, which you can break all the rules, but I mean, there's a way that's widely considered to be the way colors are supposed to work together and that I can use that in my favor. And I did when I made something for, um, wear happy color this week, it's an orange dress that I put with the blue, blue, a blue accent on the front. And the dress itself is, um, citrus fruits on a peachy colored background, a very light peachy colored background with some very, very pale citrus fruits, 
orange, pale pink citrus fruits, orange citrus fruits, and little blue lines around it. And there was a Katie Cortman double gauze that I have that's blue with light pink flowery sort of looking abstract images that seemed perfect to me. Like when I hold them right next to each other, I'm like, those are literally exactly the same colors. And I used that and a, a bright orange ruffle as, as the way that I pulled that together, which my husband did find cute, but off-putting um, <laughs> oh, because he's like, maybe if it didn't have the blue and I'm like, no, no, the blue is what sells it. Um, yeah. It's the complimentary so color with it. But I got there through the card because I had been looking for just another orange to put where I put the blue instead of something else, because that would never have occurred to me. My brain doesn't think orange and blue work together. That's just sports teams. There's no... Right. right. <laughs> and this is, I have a whole um, online class that I teach this, like I take that postcard and it like fleshes it out to an hour class. And then also I have a PDF book that's like a 25 page guidebook. Again, it's like pictures of how to do all this. Um, and this, what I always say in the class is that you're gonna you're gonna see the complementary colors and you're gonna think sports teams, you're gonna think Christmas, you're gonna think mm-hmm. because when you look at bold orange and bold blue, it is used like uh for like the gators, not the gators, the yeah. no, no, UF. UF, the University of yeah. Florida Gators. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I graduated from there, so I'm definitely okay, right. familiar so with it there. That. But it's so garish there. You know what I mean? It's there's no right. And I, and I think the way you did it is what I try to teach like everybody is that if you take like orange and you add white, now you have peach and if you add peach and blue, peach and navy blue, peach and royal blue and navy blue and corals. And you have all these different values of the colors mm-hmm. and put them together. Now it doesn't feel like a sports team. It's just a complimentary color. And that blue makes the orange pop. It makes the whole outfit yes. pop. So I was shocked. It's so <laughs> fun. And I love that dress. And I had no idea that you had used my card as your inspiration. So that absolutely. Um, the reason I teach those color theory things like complementary analogous um, is obviously I break the rules all the time, but when you're learning how to use color and when you're hesitant about what colors look good together, having this like guide say, no, these do. And this is what it's called. It gives you like, the permission, you know? And so I always tell people like, if somebody says, Oh, I don't, I didn't know those colors could go together. If you know, cause you have your little reference card, there are split complementary. You say, well, yeah. this is a split complementary. So now you put them in their place. Like, actually there's a name for this. It's called split complementary. You know, <laughs> like, it is okay. Says color theory. So, you know, step up. But, um, <laughs> but then like, once you get really comfortable with color and you no longer need that, you can just, you know, put colors together and feel fine. But I think it's really good. And to just like try color combos that you haven't, if you're so used to putting certain colors together, you're kind of in a color rut. And so to even every March when I do wear a happy color and I'm trying to teach everyone about the different color things, I go into my wardrobe and I put things together that I haven't put together. And I'm like, Ooh, I haven't, cause I haven't been purposely trying to do complementary colors or split complement or my favorite, which I call faux split complementary, which I talk about in my book and my class. And, you know, and I go and I look for trying to put those colors together, which makes me make new outfits that I haven't made before. So, well, and one of the things that I think this is going so far off topic almost, except it's related to the color thing. Part of when I started wearing exclusively dresses a bazillion years ago, like this is just, I'm always more comfortable in a dress. And part of that is, I don't know, at all how to put a skirt and a shirt together. Like if I have a solid, I used to only wear solid colors. That's another thing is when I would Uh wear shirts and pants, I just wore solids because there was a fighting chance, like Garanimal style, I could make the two go together. But, but, (laughs) and I loved like, there's a company called Flax that sold just linens, but they, each season, it felt like this is Garanimo Hippo and everything in this season's colors are going to go together. And yeah, here's yeah. your Garanimo Giraffe and everything in this is going to go together because there was a good shot I could make that work. But almost anything else I pulled together, probably someone at some point during the day was going to be like, is that really what you meant to do this morning? Because I feel like it may not have been. And so dresses were an easy answer, right? I could pull mm-hmm. patterns in. Because if it's already on the fabric in a pattern, it must go together. 
<laughs> they wouldn't be selling it if it didn't go with itself. Like the fabric must be okay. And uh -huh. so I could make that work. And this opens up a whole world of possible skirts and shirts. <laughs> yes. I might be able to make the two things go together. And then, and I also, again, I hate to keep referencing this, but like in my, in my <laughs> class and book, I do talk about how to take colors that like seem like they totally don't go together in an outfit. Like if you have a shirt, that's one color or print and the skirt is another one, how to make those work together and look cohesive. <laughs> I, I talk about different tips. I'm not going to give it all away. Cause I, you know, no, no, please but, don't we, but like, but yes, yeah, so I talk about that because I think that is something and I try to teach it to my kids and I have clients that come do custom stuff with me and I'm like, oh, well, if you do this, then like that will make it all work together. So I think it's just everyone has to experiment and try stuff out. And I hate that there's people out there making comments to the people like they know, because do they <laughs> even know? I'm like these people that work with you that were saying stuff. I'm like, oh, are you an art major? Did you know like what goes together? <laughs> and I, I don't think there's a single color combination on this earth that can't work somehow. Like you can't tell me two colors. You can be like, oh, well, these colors look bad. I bet there's a way to make those colors look good together because <laughs> I, have, I feel like I have any color combo I have thought I hated. I've seen somebody use somehow in a way that I'm like, oh, well, now I don't hate that. Like that looks really good. So I also hate. I say hate, but I dislike when people say they hate a certain color or hate a certain color combo, because I'm like, you're only thinking of it in one way. And I bet that there is a way that you could like that color combo. So <laughs> one thing we wanted to ask you about, um, because our podcast is all about um, enhancing the sewing community and making more people feel welcome. And you, um, obviously, the sewing community is very important to you with you, you know, doing this so happy color every March, um, you really get a lot of people involved in it all over the sewing community. Um, what do you think is really working well in the sewing community? What do you think the sewing community does best? I mean, the sewing community is like what got me really into everything, you know, like it got me sewing more in general, but I think it's really great how people uplift each other and go. And, and it, like I said, in our real lives, we might make something and nobody asks you about it, says anything about it or gets it or, but you go you know, in the Instagram and I am not in any other community, not in like on Facebook or any other Reddit or anything. So I only have Instagram, but like that community, people will come and be like, Oh my gosh, I love that you did this. They know the details. They know how hard it is, you know, and they encourage each other. And, and I love to do that for others. You know, I, I can't reshare every post because I just don't have time to like reshare. And, and I always want to write something, and <laughs> but I try to reshare and like, spread the love and spread the joy and have people find each other and, and celebrate, you know, when people make something really great. Um, and I was probably better at that when I spent more time on Instagram and now I spend a little less because I'm busy in my studio making a fashion brand. But, um, I just think that it's really uplifting and everyone is really good at encouraging each other. And I think it's also really great because before this, you could look at it, you could go to the store and get a pattern and have no idea if that would look good on your body, like when you sewed it up, because all you have is that paper, but now you can like search the hashtag of the pattern, even those patterns at Joann's and also obviously the indie patterns, but you can search that. And then you find like, there's somebody who looks a little bit more like me and how does it look on them or what alteration or what way did they hack that pattern? Ooh, that's a really cool thing. And so I think it's really inspiring and it just like, it's like being at art school or whatever and having other creative people in yeah. your realm, just inspiring each other and uplifting each other. Find that anytime I'm interested in a pattern, the first thing I want to do is go look on Instagram and look at the hashtag and see what other people have done with it for me to get an idea of what fabrics I need to buy so that I can make that. I'm, well, I'm one of the resident, things I've noticed about you and in the whole, in the story you've been telling the whole time is that, you know, when anything comes your way, whether it's any kind of difficulty comes your way, you can see the opportunity in it. And you can see when, even when there's areas where you may regret things that have happened, mm -hmm. that maybe you would have made a different choice. Um, you can see how you had, you, uh, you learned from that and how that, you know, your expensive 
um, clothing line that, you know, it was just an education. You paid for that education and you're also able to do some things that you loved. So um, I think that really will serve you, you know, through your whole life to have that attitude. And I think that our listeners are just going to love love hearing from you. You sound, you're, you're as colorful in your personality as you are in your clothing. I, I, I think everyone's just going to love you. Well, thank you. And I, I remember reading this quote from some model in some teen magazine when I was a teen that, that said that what you wear, your clothing is an extension of your personality. So I like hearing that because <laughs> I want my clothes to be like who I am. So, you know, to show people who I am before they I even open my mouth which doesn't take very long because obviously I can talk, but <laughs> anyway, thank you for having me. And yes, if there's anything I can teach people, it's, you know, to not worry about what other people think to do what comes inside of you. And also to look at the hard things that happen and find the good that came from it. Because I, even in the absolute, and this is not totally what we were talking about, but kind of what you had said, but even in the hardest parts of things I've experienced in my life, I, there was always something good I could get from that, something I learned or something that would be better for my life. And um, I think that makes you a happier person if you can focus on the good during the bad. So at, during Project Runway, I definitely had to do that because I was very, very sad that I got voted off and didn't make it to the end. Um, but I, I really tried to focus on the fact that I'd had this opportunity and and a few other things. I mean, I don't want to keep going on, but anyways, so it no. was, yeah. Yeah. I, I was really sad to see you, to see you leave as well. And in, in fact, have not watched any other episodes, but, um, cause I don't care anymore. It didn't matter to me. Um, but, <laughs> um, but that's a, it's a really good approach to things generally. And of course it's given us your, your fashion line. It gave you the incentive to actually push forward with that. And I'm excited to see what happens next. I love that there are items that I'm able to wear myself because I love nothing more than supporting another small, <laughs> another small business. I think those are some of the best yeah. things you get to do. So I'm really I excited. Actually, as far as that <laughs> business goes, it seems like it's even better to be sent home early because then the whole time that Project Runway is on, you can have your stuff out there, whereas other people are still on the show. You know what I mean? They're not able to get that done. Well, it's it's a little different. We do film it. it the whole thing is filmed in June. Oh, May, June. yes. Oh, oh, but, oh. but I do. So I, I mean, I, I, I thought of a lot of great things that came out of getting voted off. And one of them was that if I had made it to the end, I would have been focusing on my final collection that, you know, would have been on the runway, right. Mm -hmm. Which was my dream, but I would have been focusing on that and therefore would not have had a fashion line that was launching, you know, during the show. So most of the three, there was four girls that made it to the end. One of them, she already had a line. She'd had a line for a long mm -hmm. time. Um, she's the one who won. And, um, there's another girl who, does like prom and bridal stuff and she does it custom. So she had a company, but she doesn't keep a stock of anything. So she was fine as well. But the other two, you know, they made these, um, these amazing collections, but the show was airing. There was nothing for sale on their website. So they're like having this great opportunity to get lots of publicity, but making no money from it, at least during the show. And then you yeah. only have so long before people forget about you. Yeah. So I was like, and I've watched this show long enough to see what contestants do afterwards and how that, you know, and I was like, well, since I didn't already have a brand before the show, it's a good thing that I had time to focus on making my brand so that when the show launched, I actually had product for people to go automatically go and buy. And so that was a big, great thing. And the other thing is I was on the bottom, like four out of six challenges and which was very traumatic. It was what made it so hard for me to like stay happy and stay um, like positive and inspired because I was constantly thinking I was going home. At the same time, I thought when I, like, I got <laughs> voted off, I was like, you know what? Like I was on the bottom and they usually focus every episode from what I'd seen in the past. They focus every episode on the people that are going to be at the top and the bottom. 
Um, and I was always, I did not bring one thing to that show that I didn't make and probably wasn't made out. It, everything was made out of my prints and it was my clothing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to get a lot of good free advertising because I'm going to be on that stage and they're going to show me a lot, which they did. So <laughs> at least the last three episodes, I got a lot of, I got a lot more airtime. So yeah. So that was another great thing that happened out of something terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no one is going to forget you. You made an impression and that's really important. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> See, See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.